Our scripture reading this morning is from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Hear now a story about Mr. Rogers. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two nanarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you all I owe. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the man replied to Jesus, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Now, Mary Lou. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, amen? It's a beautiful day in this sanctuary because the risen Christ is here among us. Matt asked me if I was going to take off my shoes and put on uh, some, some tennis shoes like Mr. Rogers. And I told him, once upon a time I could, but not anymore. <laughs> Something gets in the way. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for this beautiful space. And as we gather in this moment, oh God, I pray that you would be glorified, for you alone are worthy. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Mr. Rogers, he had the same target audience as Sesame Street. They went after the same people, toddlers, preschool kids. But they went after, different, after them for different reasons. Sesame Street was more concerned with, with building cognitive knowledge, making sure that they knew their letters and their numbers before they started school. Mr. Rogers, on the other hand, was focused on something totally different. In school, we would call that the citizenship grade, on how to interact with one another. He wanted to make sure that when kids started school, they were civil to one another. 
He wanted to make sure that they were respectful, that they were tolerant, that they were kind and compassionate. He wanted to make sure that they would be good neighbors to one another. And my friends, I say, wouldn't it be good if we could have more of that today? In this society where we're so torn apart by political partisanship, where we're so divided over right and left and purple and blue and whatever other color you want to put out there, we could really learn a lot from Mr. Rogers today. A Mr. Rogers trivia fact. He did over, oh, close to 900 episodes of Mr. Rogers. Always portraying himself. He only appeared on screen one time as someone other than himself. You know when that was? 1990, he played a preacher on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Which was pretty accurate because he was a preacher and he was a Presbyterian minister. Just thought I would give you some trivia for Mr. Rogers. In today's reading from the Gospel of Luke... Jesus is talking to an expert in the law, a lawyer. And the lawyer wants to know, who is my neighbor? And the good news is that Lindsay did such, did such a great job of telling us who our neighbor is. I don't need to preach about who is our neighbor. We know who our neighbor is. Thank you, Lindsay. Great job. The exegetical work was marvelous. What I'd like to spend time doing this morning is addressing what keeps us from being a good neighbor. What are those obstacles that stand in our way to being a good neighbor, to being kind and caring and compassionate and civil and tolerant and respectful? What are those obstacles? Because in the passage, we find two men, right? A priest and a Levite who are on the road, who are traveling. And they come across a man who has been beaten, who has been robbed, who has been left for dead on the side of the road. And instead of stopping to render aid, They go by and pass by on the other side to avoid the man. I don't know. There are many reasons they could have done that. Maybe they too, like us today, lived in a very litigious society and were afraid of being sued if they did something wrong. I doubt it. Maybe it was the Jewish purity laws. They didn't know if the man was dead, and so they didn't want to get too close, possibly. But I tend to think, like the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, who was preaching on this topic one day, and said the reason, the most probable reason, that these two men, this priest and this Levite, chose to bypass the man was simply because they were afraid. It was fear. 
that kept them from responding like a good neighbor? What if the robbers were still around? What if it was a trap? What would happen to me? And so fear was probably the main obstacle. But Jesus does something really brilliant in this this story. Because the, the Jewish people that were hearing, his Jewish audience who were hearing this message understood that there was going to be a third person to stop. They would have known by custom that, okay, he's, he's presenting a story here. There's two people that don't respond. There's going to be one person that does. And they, and they were ready because they were expecting that Jesus was going to say that the third person, the person who was a neighbor, is a faithful Israelite. And Jesus does something Totally unexpected. He makes the good neighbor, he makes the protagonist the hero of the story, not a faithful Israelite, but instead makes him a hated Samaritan. This is the last person they thought would stop to render aid. Because they did not get along. It would be Amy Jill Levine says, it would be as if somebody from Palestine, modern day, stopped to render aid. But yet, that's who Jesus uses as the example of one who is a good neighbor. Who rose above his fear. Who stepped up. To make a difference for one who was battered, for one who was bruised, for one who was left to die. Samaritan. That would have totally turned over the apple cart. They would not have expected that. That this man would rise above his fears and render aid. Fear. It captures all of us. And it will own us if we allow it to. A few months ago, after a Wednesday night Bible study over at Asbury, it was late. I was tired. I was hungry. I was ready to go home. Sort of like now, these three services, they, they wear you down. I, 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 three services. Holly, I don't know how you do it. Gosh. But that night I was tired and I was hungry, and, and my wife had already sent me a text. Dinner is waiting. I'm like, yes. And as we're walk, walking out the building, there's three of us. I had already turned on the alarm, turned off the the, the light, and walked out into the foyer, and there was this big burly man standing there in the foyer. Huge, with a scowl on his face, his arms covered in tattoos. And not only did he catch me off guard, he scared the living daylights out of me. 
And so my two friends walking out say, can we help you? And they say, and he said in a very gruff voice, I just need to talk to somebody. And they both went. <laughs> I was like, thanks a lot. And so I, I, I look up at him and I say, how can I help you? And the two friends walk outside. I see them standing underneath the breezeway. He said, I just need to talk to somebody. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I've been here all day. How do I get out of this? How do I ask him to come back tomorrow during business hours? Make an appointment and we can sit in the office. Got beautiful recliners there. I just want to go home. But he said it again, I need to talk to somebody. Now, something just didn't seem right to me. Something was off about this gentleman. And not only was I hungry, tired, and ready to go home, now I was scared. I was afraid. And I've been over at Asbury for over 10 years, and I had never felt that before. I had never felt afraid like I did that night. And so I said, you know what, let's go outside, uh, and we'll sit on that bench out there. The alarm's already on, and, and uh, we'll have a seat right there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, that way, if I need to, I can run. I don't think I'm going to run far. I think he's going to catch me, but my friends are there. They might stop and help me. And so we go outside, and I sit down next to him. I said, what do you need to talk about? He just said, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. What are you tired of? He said, I'm tired of the voices in my head telling me to hurt someone. As I look up, my two friends are driving off. <laughs> and the first thing that came to mind was a conversation I had with my daughter, my 17-year-old daughter, Hannah, earlier that day when I picked her up from school. We're driving home, and Hannah says, Dad, I don't know why, but I think something horrible is going to happen today. And now I'm really afraid. This is the day I'm going to die here at Asbury, serving the Lord. At least I'll get a crown over it. I don't know, but I was afraid. But in that moment, one verse came to mind. And it was the verse that came out of Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, where Joshua is getting ready to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And he's a little nervous. He's a little shaken up too. And God says to him, be strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you to be strong and very courageous? Do not fear, for I am the Lord your God, and I am with you, and I will go with you wherever you go. Just gave me chills again right now. You ever do that? Give yourself chills? I just gave myself chills. And that verse came upon me. And I said, my friend, when did these, verse, these voices start? When did they start attacking you? He said, years ago when me and my buddies thought it would be cool, thought it would be funny 
to take a little animal out into the fields in Pleasanton and sacrifice it and offer it up to Satan. They haven't, they haven't left me alone since then. And people tell me I'm crazy and people tell me I need to admit myself into the psych hospital and I know I'm not crazy. And I said, my friend, I don't know if you need psychiatric help or not. I'm not a medical uh, mental health professional. But I don't think you're crazy. I think the voices you're hearing are as real as the voice you hear from me. And I believe that there is one who can liberate you from those voices. His name is Jesus. And if you will allow me to pray over you and to pray with you, I think he can do it. I know he can do it if you're willing. I said, can I pray for you? He said, yes. I said, can I, can I put my hand on your shoulder? He said, yes. And so we began to pray. And the prayer got more intense. And as it got more intense, he began to shake and then he began to cry. This big mountain of a man was crying on me and over me. And then suddenly he proclaims, gone. They're gone. The voices are gone. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. And then I said, I don't know what else we can do for you, but we're here for you if you need anything. We want to be your friend if you need more prayer, if you need more conversation, we will be here for you. He gave me a big bear hug and again said, the voices are gone. He walked around the corner and I have yet to see him again. I walked across the street into my vehicle, opened the door, sat down, locked my car, started to shake and cry. and said, my God, I don't know just what happened here. I don't know just what happened here, but I know you were here. Friends, I came this close to telling him to come back tomorrow. To telling him I could help him another time. But God worked in that moment. And he took two strangers and brought them together to become neighbors. And God is calling each one of us to be a neighbor to someone else. Now, I'm not telling you that God is going to use you to liberate people from demons. That doesn't happen 99.999% of the time. So you don't have to worry, okay? Unless God calls you for that, then that's something else. But what he is calling you to do is to be a friend. To be someone who will extend a hand. To show some kindness, some compassion, some caring. To one who really needs it. And the example Jesus gave us in the passage is it might be somebody who looks totally different than you. It 
be somebody you've considered an enemy. Might be a Samaritan. But God can use you. God will use you to bring peace on earth. And we need more of that. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of all the division. I'm tired of hearing Americans call other Americans enemies. And here's where the church of Jesus Christ can stand up. And in the Hispanic culture, we would say, Ya basta! Enough! Let it begin with me. Let it begin with me reaching out and saying to one who may not look like me, one who may not sound like me, one who may not even believe like me, let it begin with me saying, won't you be?